Hello, welcome to Creating Portland. I'm your host, Pearson Coons, and on this podcast, I'll be interviewing progressive creators who are using their art to shape the culture of our city and beyond. I hope you enjoy this episode of Creating Portland. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Creating Portland. We are here with two incredible theater artists named Brandon and Jen. And um, let's learn a little bit about them before I fully bring them in. Now, Brandon is a director, producer, and collaborator in Portland, Oregon. He has worked from 2010 to 2018 at Portland Center Stage in a number of capacities, most notably as the associate producer and jaw co-producer from 2018 to 2019 he worked with michael curry design as head of theatrical projects and he's a proud sdc member and is the co-artistic director of the theater company which we're gonna get into and then i'm also here with jen Rowe. oh and that was brandon woolley by the way and then jen Rowe here is an actor director producer who has lived in portland since 2004 and has also worked in denver and chicago she started her first theater company while at college at Portland State University and produced her first show at Coho Theater in 20, uh, not 26, 2006, an avant-garde piece called Das Vendaya Mama. Okay, she might correct my pronunciation in just a moment on that. Um, Portland is where she grew up as an artist, where she learned autonomy in creative life. And... Um, yeah, let's bring them onto the pod. Hello, Jen and Brandon. Welcome. Hi, thanks. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us. I am so excited to talk to y'all about everything, especially theater right now, because these live arts and these mediums that require a live audience are so in limbo in this current situation. So I'm so excited to get into all of that. But um, yeah, thanks for being on the pod. Thanks for having thanks for us. Having yeah. us. Absolutely. So let's start this, with the like big- having this conversation. Oh. It's, it's fun to be a part of. Thank you. Yes, it's been really informative and really, uh, yeah. It's inspiring me when there's not a lot of inspiration to see when you look around. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's let's kick it right off with the big question that gets our podcast going, which is how are you helping create Portland? So I'll I'll take it. I'll take it to start with Brandon. Uh, <laughs> kick it off, girl. Kick this is our off. first duo. Also, we have to acknowledge this is our first duo on the pod. Yes. So let's let's share this love and this this sort of tag team effort. So yeah, Jen, what, what are what are we doing to help create Portland? So when Brandon and I decided to start a theater company in Portland, it wasn't an easy decision. Um, uh, both Brandon and I have thought about starting a company for years and um, we met each other a year and a half ago at uh, the social club for drinks and we were like, well, should we do this? And we decided to do it in the way that would challenge us the most and in a way that would mm. make us feel like we were doing something new in our careers because the question why start another theater company in Portland, Oregon is a valid question. And so um, we were like, well, how, what, what's going to challenge us as artists and how can we, how can we make sure that we are 
upping our game to earn having a theater company in Portland, Oregon, having a nonprofit. And so we thought a lot about it and we decided that we wanted to do found space theater and try to be um, altruistically a part of the community in an intersectional way. And the way that we decided that we wanted to do that was to partner with local businesses um, to in different areas throughout Portland to enliven different areas that don't necessarily have an artistic home already and uh, see if we can partner with different people, groups, spaces to reimagine what it means to create theater inside of the homes all over Portland um, that are known as local businesses. Um, yeah. Brandon, what, what, wow. what do you think? That's so exciting. Yeah, Brandon, what about you? <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, I, I think, I mean, Jen speaks so eloquently around our mission <laughs> and, and the, the, where we're headed and what we're doing. Um, and, it, and it truly was this, like, this moment of, well, let's see if we can make something new in Portland that isn't necessarily already happening. Um, and trying to, I don't want to say reinvent the model, but at least um, reimagine and um, really examine the current model of theater that is um, mostly happening in Portland. Um, and so we, we really did challenge ourselves. I mean, at first we were like, okay, we'll just do a three show season. We'll rent normal theatrical spaces. Um, and then, and we'll do that. And then the more that we started talking with, um, theater, you know, the theater community at large, and then also potential, um, donors and, 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 and whatnot, it was just like, well, what else, you know, what else mm -hmm. are you going to be doing? That's not that we don't already have with, with other companies that are already well-established. Um, and so it really forced us to think about the elements of theater that excite us. Um, and at the core of what the theater company stands for, it's really about the story, the space in which we're inhabiting and the spectacle through which theater can um, create and change uh, in, in so many different ways. Um, and so we just started trying to lean into that and really think about plays and stories that could work well in those, in that way. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and it, it, it was really exciting when we were getting, so it is still very exciting. It's just exciting in a different way now, um, you know, six, seven months into a pandemic where you're not allowed to have live theater or space yeah. um, and inhabit that in the same way that we were originally thinking. Um, and so we're, we're examining the ways in which we can do that both right now for this 2020 season and as we move forward with this company. Um, but one of the things that was really fantastic for us is that we aren't beholden to a specific space in Portland. So we did not have overhead or budgetary restraints around all of this when we first started creating the theater company and, you know, that we were having to, to pay so much money month after month for a space that was not being utilized. Um, and instead, we're able to invest in partnerships and community with the people that we had worked with and the people that we know we want to work with um, moving forward. And I have to say, the you know, uh, the question, how are you creating Portland? It's an interesting question because we started having this conversation around the foundation of our company, the values, what we want to bring to Portland that's new a year and a half ago. 
And now those conversations are in a way starting to pay off for us because we have a really mm -hmm. clear vision about how to move through this. Um, and we're excited that our mission is all about bringing uh, local businesses back to life. Um, and so we're excited to be able to uh, walk hand in hand with some businesses down the road as businesses are also able to start reopen, reopening um, in you know the indefinite future. Uh, or if we can just cast a little bit of light and highlight some places and organizations that um, that we would like to you know shine some light on, then we have the opportunity to be able to do that. So like. One of the things that worked out for us really well is that our two partnerships that we had for our first season were with Tabor Space in Southeast Portland and then the Hallowed Halls recording studio in Southeast Portland. And our first show, The Moors, um, which we had to send everyone home a week before opening um, during tech, we were actually in Tabor Space about to open the show when we got the news that the NBA um, was canceling their season and we were like, well, this is this, you know, the writing's on the wall. We want to stay safe. And so we made sure to take as many precautions as possible, send people home and kind of um, reevaluate how we were going to move forward. And as we were reevaluating re how to move forward, we were like, we already have this partnership with the Hallowed Halls. They're a recording studio. Their space is huge. And so we were like, what if we did recorded podcasts of these shows in the hallowed halls using their equipment and um, using their engineer who owns the space. And it's really interesting because um, working in this way now, in this adaptive model for us, working in, in this way with hallowed halls, it feels even more like a partnership than we had originally intended because rather than just kind of moving in and using their space and highlighting the musicians that they work with and and the fact that they're there, we actually get to work, do, do the kind of work that they do with them and create a hybrid conversation between that recording studio and the theater company creating something together. And so um, we recorded The Moors back in September and that's available now through um, Saturday the 24th. And then we just finished recording Vinegar Tom there and we're gonna be mixing it over the next two weeks and that will be available on October 30th. And so when the question is, how are you creating Portland? I just, I think that we're very, very lucky that we uh, pulled the thread that we did and ended up with a mission statement that is all about um, not having our own space or not taking up space and instead contributing to the work that's already happening around Portland and letting theater be um, a bridge towards community. Mm, yes. And that's sort of, I mean, those are the big questions theater companies are asking right now is how, if we don't have these rigid things that make theater possible for us, what are we going to do? And you come in with this adaptive model out the gate. And in some ways that's, I mean, it's proving to be even more advantageous. Like you're saying that you're able to adapt when all of these other people um, and other companies are struggling to adapt. So that's really exciting. How this is what I'm wondering is how do you pick your season with this mission in mind? So can you talk about these three shows? Because they're all really interesting shows, a cool range. And I know you talked about the intersectionality at the beginning as being part of your mission. And what other 
pieces of the mission go into picking these three shows? So we have, there's only two in our 2020 season. Um, I, I probably confused you when oh, I said you we said chose three, three shows. Okay. And then, we, and then we, we whittled it down to two when we really honed For the in recordings. on our mission. So yeah, Got yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so these two shows, so, how do we get there? So yeah, Brandon, do you want to? Yeah, sure. So, so it really is, um, Jen and I, when we first started talking, had, you know, 15, 20 shows that have been on our lists, both as artists, either as actor, director, producers, um, that, you know, you, you have this list of things that you're always wanting to work on, right? Um, that is ever evolving, but um, specific and, and that you're drawn to in, in one way or another. And so we we did. We chose three plays back last June. And then um, as we honed that mission in, uh, in terms of found space, we 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 renegotiated that um, and 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 then took a hard look at our budget as well. Right. When you're starting a new nonprofit, you you know, I think the first time Jen and I met at Solo Club, I went to the restroom and I came back and I said, we have to raise three hundred thousand dollars. And she was like, uh, um, what? Yeah. And, um, and so we narrowed our budget down and, and by narrowing it to two plays and really being able to focus on that, both the Moors and Vinegar Tom, um, it, it, it's a lot of, it's a lot of looking at why this play now, what is this play saying? How does this play adapt to a found space that? Um, is going to have that can be super exciting in a lot of ways in terms of um, utilizing the space in new in new ways, um, but can also be limiting in some way. I mean, for Tabor Space, we were going to have to load all of our set and props and everything in and out every single night and store them in a basically a U-Haul van outside of the space. Um, so there's a lot of limitations that come with it too, um, and we just we believed strongly in uh, the Moors and Vinegar Tom as being these these plays that could really um, take up space, give space, and say something in 2020. And I think as this pandemic has gone on and as this election is going on, um, we found it even more important and pertinent to give these plays to Portland. And I mean, with now them being podcast to the greater sort of, you know, wider casting of our net um, because they just feel visceral and like they have something very, very strong and urgent to say uh, in this time. Yeah, it's interesting because they're like, they're both female playwrights, Jen Silverman and Carol Churchill. And one of them is Jen Silverman's in her late 20s, early 30s. Carol Churchill is over, I mean, we're spanning the range in terms of of who is telling these st female stories uh, in terms of age. And then also parallel to that, uh, the more, um, Vinegar Tom is set in the 1600s and is about the Salem witch trials. And it's basically like the crucible, but actually told by a female. And so it's a female perspective of a female story. And then the Moors is set in the 1800s. And it's also a uh, it's a, a a group of women who are witchy vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a group of women in the Moors who are living without men, and so they are trying desperately mm -hmm. to figure out how they are going to sustain themselves in this world where they cannot own anything, and that breeds a lot of desperation and isolation. And 
So it's interesting because we're telling these, and both of these stories are anachronistic within the text. So both of these stories, these women make a point to say this happened then, but there are things that I'm doing in this play that are signaling that mm. it's happening now. And so our first season is actually a trajectory of women from the Salem witch trials on to present day and examining how far we've come, how far we have to go. And under the um, leadership that we have right now in America, it is especially important to me to be a storyteller who examines those kinds of questions and acknowledges um, the roles that society has put us all in. Wow. And, and yeah. I think in terms of just the way that, you know, uh, we're choosing plays or thinking about season or thinking about the way in which Portland can, can um, uh, create community within the work that we're doing, um, it sort of encompasses all of that, right? You have, to, you have to be able to afford to do it. You have to be able to find space to do it. You have to be able to find the people um, and the stories that are exciting you. And so for us, that's what these two plays did. And as we're looking ahead to 2021, we can't, we're not quite ready to announce what we'll be doing next year, um, but it's very, very exciting <laughs> um, for us as a company and very ambitious. Um, and uh, that, that'll, that'll be coming around the 1st of December in terms of our, our season announcement, we're just, um, you know, we have some some I's to dot and T's to cross in terms of making sure that it's ready to, to go public. But um, it will be very new and very exciting and something I don't think Portland has seen in this capacity from a company, a company of our size, uh, potentially ever. Um, so... Yeah, so, it'll be fun. Wow. We're excited. Yeah, <laughs> hey, we're excited about 2021. I'm so excited now too. And is this our? I mean, you may not be able to say, but is this also planning on being in a podcast format? Or are we planning around a world in which we can be live? How do we plan as a theater company right now when, like you were saying, it's so indefinite? The future. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that all of us as theater makers, no matter the size, are being asked to explore and pick up new skills and techniques and expand the ways in which we're able to develop story. And I think that one, and one of the things that's really important to Brandon and I as we expand and explore and adapt um, is to make sure that we keep the thread strong with with delivering live theater in some way, shape or form. And so um, one of the things that I think is like, a, a, oh, what's that called? Like a bowling alley, gutters, you know what I mean? Like the th oh, a thing that yes, keeps us in check is the value <laughs> is the value of theater. And so what I will say, what I will say about this, I'll let Brandon uh, say what he wants to say, but I, what I will say about this is that Everything that we are choosing to do is something that eventually can be in some way consumed as live theater. And it's really, really important for us to keep that thread alive. Yeah, I think when you say, is it going to be podcast? Is it going to be this? My answer to that is yes and um, for theater. the way in which we'll be delivering <laughs> all of it. Um, so... Uh, Yes, and we'll we'll okay. we'll take it we'll take it forward in that way. I think. 
Ugh, life advice to the max, theater <laughs> making advice to the max. Um, absolutely. Okay, so let's go broader then, just beyond the theater company. I'm curious, and this is especially interesting because you are creating your own company in this artistic landscape, and you were talking a little bit about like how it fits into the greater picture of art in Portland. So I want to know what are our thoughts on the Portland art scene as a whole? What are the things that we like and that are working? And what are the areas in which we need to improve the art scene as a community? I'm super interested in this question and the answer to it because Brandon and I have very, very different entry points into Portland and the Portland art scene. So I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited for this question. Brandon, take it away. <laughs> Oh, take it away. Okay. Um, yeah, no, uh, Jen's right. Like, I mean, my, my training ground and my, um, my schooling was through a major, a major regional theater at Portland Center Stage. So I, I moved here at 22 and immediately was working as an intern at this company. And so, um, had a very, very specific niche um, understanding of what the Portland theater scene and what the Portland art scene at large was um, 10 years ago when I moved here. And I'm very grateful for that. I think it taught me a lot um, about how to produce theater um, in a lot of different ways. And then on the other flip side of it, I, I didn't just work there. I like tried to to make art on my own as well. Um, and, you know, because I was sort of an unknown person here in Portland and wanted to hone my skills as a director and a producer sort of outside of that as well. Um, and so uh, it, there's a lot of theater that happens in Portland um, in, in a myriad of different ways. I'm sorry, oh, my cat is going Peta's, to... Peta's got things to say too. <laughs> um, but Just pay attention. <laughs> well, she loves, she loves my voice. She Hello. does. She loves your voice. Peta. Um, but, but yeah, so it, I think we have a very vibrant scene and I think what we're currently seeing in Portland is, um, besides the pandemic, um, you know, there are huge moments happening across the country of social, um, unrest and social justice and racial inequality and dismantling systemic racism. And I think Portland, the art scene in Portland is having to reckon with that right now, as most of the country and most of the world is, um, because for so long we have had systems in place that are oppressive. And so for us to be beginning a company right at the moment of this allows us to educate ourselves, examine the ways in which we want to move forward um, as, uh, as a company and the people that we're working with and the people that we're bringing on board to help move our mission forward. And I think a lot of companies across Portland are also having to do that right now. And it's not easy. Um, and I, I, I would just, I've said this in a couple of other um, interviews or just conversations, uh, just please keep us accountable as you're also, um, as you're consuming our work and as you're looking at other work around Portland's, not just in the theater community, but the music scene, the art scene, um, because I think that's what the arts need right now um, is, a, is a huge reckoning and movement forward in that way. All right, yes, Brandon. 
And um, Jen, what do you think then? What is working for you in the Portland art scene and what are the ways that we can improve as a community? Yeah, I would agree with Brandon um, around this time being a reckoning um, and using this time to pursue for a lot of us why it is we do what we do and how we can do it better um, together. I. It's interesting because I moved here in 2004 and um, I moved up because of a breakup. I didn't plan anything other than that. Um, I just knew that I loved Portland, Oregon and was here a month later. And uh, I started going to school at PSU and I had studied theater all of my life, but um, at PSU was where I started to learn about the community, the theater community here in Portland. And I started a company in at PSU and I started renting out spaces um, in the community while working, while going to school at PSU and producing shows. And so that first show that I produced, it's Das Vidanya, Mama. It's uh, good, goodbye, it goodbye, <laughs> mother. It's a Russian um, avant-garde. It's actually written by a, um, a trans um, avant-garde artist in, who was alive in New York in the 90s, um, Ethel Eichelberger. And um, that show is just a crazy avant-garde satire about Chekhov and all of his, all of his plays. Um, and yeah, and so, so I thought when I moved here as displayed by the first show that I chose to produce in Portland, I thought that Portland had like a huge progressive performance art scene. Like I thought, cause I come from Fresno, California, which has one theater in it and it's a dinner theater and it's called Roger Rockas and that's pretty much it, you know? And so when I'm, <laughs> go Roger Rockas, I know people- Rocka, who, Rocka, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. There are people working for that company. So I give them credit mm. for sure, but- yes. But I, yeah, I just thought that Portland being so close to Seattle and um, hearing that it was so incredibly artistic and progressive and boundary breaking that I, I expected a lot more in terms of the art artist scene uh, when moving here in terms of like boundary pushing. And mm. I thought that I would learn a lot from that. And I didn't see a lot of that happening in town. And so... I think that my want is still there. Like I, I've lived here for 15 years now and it's gotten even harder to create work here. Um, and it's gotten really hard to find space uh, as, as an artist. When I first moved here, I could work, I worked 20 hours a week at a Starbucks and I was able to afford my apartment. I was also able to afford renting out spaces in small galleries and performing shows there. And that's just not a possibility anymore as of the last decade um, for multiple reasons. And so um, another, another reason why this company um, functions the way that it does is that Portland is experiencing a lot in terms of economic growth and has been over the past few years. And uh, right before COVID hit, one of the big conversations that I remember was happening was the fact that all the food carts had been moved out from downtown Portland and there was going to be a Ritz-Carlton mm -hmm. built in downtown Portland. And that, that little story felt like the story of Portland of the past few years. And that was so disheartening to me 
um, coming from a place where I did get to learn autonomy in art making right out of college because I was able to afford creating art by myself here. And there were audiences that wanted to soak that kind of art up. And so mm. right now I'm like, what do we need or what excites me? I think what excites me is a curiosity around how we're all going to come out of this as artists. I think that a lot of collaboration and a lot of leaning on each other and a lot of shared resources and shared like funding finances um, is kind of where it's at, especially around making sure that we're supporting each other's voices and really talking about and executing the idea of intersectionality um, as we're choosing to offer things back to our community. And one of the things that I don't know how to solve, but I'm curious about how it might happen is how to re-engage audiences with the artistic community in Portland. Um, I, I've worked in Chicago and I know in Chicago, if you walk down any street, everyone knows that theater happens there and pretty much everyone can name a theater company that exists in Chicago. It's the same in New York. It's, uh, I think in San Francisco, you might find the same. Um, and I feel like Portland has such a huge amount of working artists that um, I, it's, a, it's disheartening to me and, and disturbing that we haven't done enough work in our own communities to make sure that in Portland, you walk down the street and people know the name of a theater here and people seek out theater because it's that important to them um, as a cultural happening in our communities. And so, so I'm curious around this pause that we're all kind of taking and this reevaluation that we have going on and this ask of us to be innovative and creative moving forward and how we're all going to be able to step into a new era where what we're doing is also being demanded by the people that we're doing it for, because that's what feels like the best feedback loop in a community. Wow, that was so well said. And yeah, yeah that just makes me so excited for when we do get to go back in the theater together and watch something live and be in those spaces. And now, I mean, we're even exploring new spaces and found spaces. So that's super exciting as well. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure talking about the theater company and talking about your work here in Portland. Where can people find your company online? And then where can we find you? Yeah, so our, um, our website is uh, pretty simple. It's just www.thetheaterco.org. And that's theater with an R-E. So T-H-E. T-H-E-A-T-R-E-C-O dot org. Um, nice. And you'll find all of our programming around the Moors and Vinegar Tom, which are um, readily available uh, for you through November 14th in terms of streaming the podcast versions of those shows. Um, and then in terms of what's next, as, as we were mentioning earlier, it's, it's coming soon. We're just not quite ready to announce um, getting all those ducks in a row. Uh, but again, really, really exciting um, about what lays ahead, I think. And you can... Lays ahead? Lies ahead? Yeah, lay, lay, you know? lays. We like lays. Lay ahead? Okay, great. All right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I also want to say, just give us a plug for Instagram. Um, that's where most oh, of our yeah. content is. Um, behind the scenes, you can find out who's involved in our projects and 
um, all kinds of little tidbits about us. Instagram is our main handle, so um, find us at the Theater Co. at Instagram. Nice. Okay, and all of that will be linked in the episode description. Thank you so much for being here, Brandon and Jen. I really appreciate it, and best of luck. I'm so excited to see what's coming next. Thank you, thank and you. thank you for the work that you're doing. We love listening. I'm excited to listen to all the rest. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Creating Portland with me, Pearson Coons. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CreatingPDX or on our website, CreatingPDX.com. This podcast was brought to you by Wolf and Thunder Productions and Golden Pride Productions. See you next time. Bye!